the Great Commission I want to read from Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. It tells us the disciples gathered Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. He tells us to go. The importance of having a heart to obey God, not just to, to sit, but to go. And he gives us a burden for people to share with. Also in the text, in the Greek you can read it, it says, as you are going. Not only do you need to have a prepared place to go when God lays it on your heart, but you always have to have a prepared heart. He may call you to go the other side of the world. He may call you to go the other side of the street. It doesn't matter the place he calls you. It matters that you listen and obey his voice. That's missions. And I wanted to read to you... Uh, this is something that my daughter had written, Lydia, uh, Two Passions for One World, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she had interviewed one student who's going to be a missionary in China and another student who she got to go with for six weeks here recently who's serving in Romania uh, that were friends of hers. And she was talking uh, to the lady who now serves in Romania, and I just want to read uh, just a little excerpt from what she wrote. I move to the next question. What about China draws you to it more than America? At this point, Brittany looked up from her candy making. That's a loaded question, Lydia. I'm not trying to trick anyone, I said. I want to know what draws her to China. Because she's called, Brittany replied. I'm called there, Emily agreed. There are needs and hurts in the U.S. that God has called other people to. Brittany's heart sings the same song, just with a different country. Soon after I finished interviewing Emily, she headed off to her room. Brittany continued making candy when I tried to get answers out of her. When did you first go to Romania? The summer of the eighth grade. I was 12 or 13, I guess. I wanted to go on an international mission trip, but with the Virginia Baptist Mission Board, you can't go unless you're 16 without a parent. So my mom and I decided we wanted to go to Nicaragua. But that didn't work because of my mom's health condition. We found a trip to Romania that needed a few more people, and we decided to go. Did you know you were going to move there someday? Not at first, she replied. On the plane ride home, I started planning for next year. My mom asked me what I was doing, and when I told her, I, I, I wasn't going back, but I've gone back every year, and after I graduate, I'll move there, and she is there now. When did you know you were going to move to Romania someday? Brittany rolls her eyes at me. Don't you already know these answers, Lydia? Some of them, but I don't want to leave anything out. Answer the question. <laughs> okay, it was a gradual process of realizing I was supposed to live in Romania. I was a small-town girl, and I wasn't comfortable in the city. At first, I thought I was supposed to work in a village, but over time, God showed me that I was called to the city. What is it about Romania that makes you love it? Jesus draws me to it. I made her tell me a story about one of her favorite children. The first year I went to Romania, I really bonded with a little boy named Kempes, she began. He was 19 months old, and I taught him how to color. He thought he had to lick the crayons to make them work. Kempes was in Romania for my first five trips to Romania. The last year I was there, he did not leave my side. 
He helped me get things ready, like snacks for the other kids. One day, I went to help a kid who had gotten hurt. I left Kempe's, and he started crying and yelling something in Romania. Later, one of the staff members of Project Ruth asked me if I knew what he was screaming. I didn't. She told me that he was screaming, Mommy, in Romney. It's about a passion that God gives you for people. In this case, it was Romania. It's, it's not the place. It's the fact Jesus calls you there. Uh, i just share one example quick, and I'm going to turn this over because I want to hear from you guys. Uh, when Cindy and I, we hadn't been married too long. We were serving on staff in a church in Moorhead City, and we were living in a trailer park, and God gave us a burden. Why don't we start a, a Bible study in the trailer park? And so we went around knocking on doors, and there were we were scared to death, but, you know, we had a few come. And that the next few months were very precious. There were we, we made some friends, and, and, and we shared together from the Bible, got to share the gospel with them. And it still is precious to me today. Why was it precious? God said to do it, and we were blessed by doing it. So I want to hear from you. Just two simple questions, really. Uh, number one, where did God call you to go? And number two, how did he change you by going? You going? Because a lot of times we talk about the people we go see. But I want to hear the other part of it. What do you do in your heart? What did he do in your life? Uh, who would like to speak? Uh, God called me to go to Chick-fil-A. That's where I work. Um, a lot of people come in there with things going on in their lives. And what I do is the people that come in, I ask them how their day's going. If they say, eh, not well, well, I ask them, you know, what's going on. And what I do is I stand there and I say a simple prayer with them. And then I go to the next person and the next person and the next person. So when I'm at Chick-fil-A, even though I do my job, I just pray with people in there because everybody that comes in there are Christians that come into Chick-fil-A, and it's a great place to work. I love working there, and I just pray with people because, you know, they have things going on, and everybody does, and I'm just there to give a helping hand and pray for them and make their day a lot better, and they just keep coming back to me and come in my line, and I just pray with them again and make their day more enjoyable and better. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. Hi, hey, good morning. I'm Kevin Mumpower, and I was called to um, <clears throat> talk about FCA this morning. I don't know if you guys know uh, what FCA stands for, but it's, uh, it stands for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And um, I had an opportunity to play golf last Monday, and it really touched me. Um, why did it touch me? I had an ex-classmate there, Steve Wright, uh, head coach of John Battle. Um, you guys that know Steve, he's a tough football player but he's a tough person. And um, <clears throat> before the tournament started, Steve stood up. He said, you know, we had, a <clears throat> we had a camp for our football players, and it was down at Tennessee Tech, and uh, 400 kids showed up, uh, 40 from John Battle. And uh, during the week, a lot of football, a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching, but <clears throat> a lot of prayers. And during the week, 78 kids were saved. 15 from John Battle. 40 kids from John Battle, 15 were saved. 
So the message there is, <clears throat> you know, there's ministry and outreach in our community. It's right here around us. So FCA supports that. And guys like, you know, Steve Wright uh, go out and they take kids to camps like that and you see what happens. So I encourage this church to uh, think about that. Support FCA. Because it touches the kids of Virginia High, at Battle, and all those around us. About that. Thank you, Kevin. Who else? Where am I at? Oh. Well, I got a blessing in uh, 2000, 2001, 2000 when you trained dad. They were there for two weeks, and as Todd asked, you know, what changed me? Um, you know, I was going there. We prayed for Holy Spirit to go before us, which He did. But uh, man, it, it really changed me to see those people were just, you know, wanting hope, wanting something. You know, I mean. We didn't go to like the beaches that we went to like the projects. And those people were just wanting something. And it was Jesus they needed. And man, two weeks there, four hundred and sixty some people got saved. I mean it was amazing. I mean they just like I said, God went before us. And not only changed them, but just changed me to you know, just to go and just let him walk through me. And then two thousand one we went to uh New Zealand and there, you know, it was like here, we don't need Jesus, you know, we're okay, you know, mostly middle class, but again, you know, excuse me, just praying, you know, over the town and everything, and then going out and just, you know, Jesus goes before you. I mean, all we have to do is open our mouth, He gives us the words, but it doesn't just change those people, it changes you. It just makes you, you know, be on fire for Him and just know that, that uh, you just have to plant a seed. That's all it takes. And while we were there, 278 people got to say to New Zealand. So, you know, if he tells you to go, just obey and go. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Yeah. Passed on to me uh, from uh, Holy Spirit, I guess. <laughs> We have a mission opportunity in our church. Ida Hopkins called Patsy last week to say that she couldn't afford to pay to have her yard mowed. Jimmy and Walter have mowed it recently. It's not a large yard. Uh, you need to take your mower to use. If you can take one week during the rest of the mowing season, please call Jeff and let him know, and he will sign you a week. Thank you, Jeff. Two minutes. Oh, two minutes ago, I didn't know I was doing this, but your wife will put you in situations that you just have to handle. <laughs> but that's okay. I learned yesterday that I'm not a roofer because you need to have one leg shorter than the other one so you can walk straight down. But uh, I myself, I was with Rescue Squad for 15 years. And on Thursday nights, I was a rescue squad. It came to a point that I decided it was time to retire. Well, God said, you're not going to retire. We're going to open a clinic. So guess what you're going to be doing on Thursday nights? So I've had the opportunity for the past three years to volunteer at a medical clinic. And Thursday night, I was really touched that God opened a door for me. 
We usually just treat minor wounds so forth and uh, help people get their prescriptions refilled. This is a no insurance clinic. That is the only obligation. You cannot have insurance to be able to come there. So we had a boy come in, had cut his leg with a chainsaw. And uh, he said, I'm not worried about my leg. He said, it's my back. He said, I threw my back out when I dropped the saw and cut my leg. He said, things can't get any worse. And God opened a door for me to, to minister to him the story of Job. And after that night, we set a record Thursday night. We seen 17 patients in three hours with two doctors and three emergency people that were able to do the work. And when we did our study this morning, we're doing an Andy Griffith Bible study. And it's how you look at a person on their inside, not their outside look. And it's just truly a blessing to be able to spend a Thursday night helping somebody that's in need of help. Yo, let's give it to Lori. Anyone else? Yeah. I'll come out of the hole back here for a few minutes to say something. Um, the first time I ever went on a mission trip, uh, I was sitting in youth one night at celebration, and our youth pastor was talking about his recent trip to Haiti. And I thought, man, I'd love to be able to do something like that. But for anybody who knows me very well, I don't do so well in the heat. <laughs> I could never do a roofing project or go to Haiti because my body physically won't go in the heat. So after church, I was just talking to my youth pastor, and I said, man, I wish I could go to something like that. I said, let me know when you're going somewhere cold. I want to go somewhere cold. So he said, well, in two months, we're going to Slovakia. Why don't you come? And I thought, well, <laughs> let me ask my mom, because I, I was only 17. And I thought, well, I, don't, I guess I can't just agree to something like that without asking my mom. So my mom said, sure. and. And I decided I was going to go, and they forked out the money for me to go in two months. And uh, the first thing on that trip that I learned was that God cares about little stuff because I was really excited about that trip, but I was very afraid because I was going with a bunch of people who were, I was the youngest person by far. Well, not by far, but they were all like in their late 20s and early 30s, and I was 17. And I was nervous because I didn't know I only knew one guy really and that was my youth pastor and so he agreed that he would sit with me on the airplane because he knew I was very afraid and I was really afraid and I almost couldn't be excited about going to Slovakia because I was so afraid of flying even though I've done it a lot of times I just hate it <laughs> and uh, everyone in our church family and stuff knew that and people started praying for me that I wouldn't be afraid on that airplane and for some for some reason I say but I know why I was not afraid on the airplane there. And that's, I guess that wasn't part of the, the mission trip itself, but that's just something I really learned out of it. And then I got the chance two years later to go back to Slovakia with Thomas. And we had to raise $5,000 between the two of us to go. And uh, it was getting closer. And I remember sitting down in the mall one day and Thomas and I saying, how in the world are we gonna come up with $5,000? We, I worked at Pet Partners, I think, and I certainly wasn't making $5,000. And I said, you know what, babe, if we're supposed to go, something will happen. And the very next day, Terry and Susie Fleener walked up to me and said, we got a little extra money back on our taxes and we wanted to give it to you. And they hand us $150. And from that point on, people started handing me cash. <laughs> it was very strange. Very strange thing. We put a change jar in the back here. I thought, you know, any money we can get is good. So I said, 
made an announcement, said, if you've got quarters in your pockets, please just throw them in this change jar. And every Sunday I would get out, I don't know, $5 in quarters and three or $400 in checks. People were dropping $300 or $400 in there at a time. And I was uh, selling portraits. So I'll draw your picture for $10. I got paid the most ridiculous amount of money for those junky portraits. <laughs> but people were just really awesome. And um, we had a yard sale. The last thing we did, I said, we're going to have a yard sale. And somehow we're going to raise enough money in this yard sale. And someone donated, I still don't know who it was, donated a big screen television for a yard sale, a church yard sale. And we made, at the end of it, I think there was $200 more than what we needed. And we were also supposed to be in charge of bringing crafts over. So we took our $200 and we didn't have anything extra, but we had everything we needed and that was all that mattered. And I'll also just say the only other thing, last two years ago, I guess mom and I, I don't know, a year and a half ago, mom and I got a chance to go to Belize. And it wasn't necessarily on a mission trip. It was mostly to visit Terry and Samantha and to take some video and some photographs for them. And I just want to say what a blessing it was to see them there because going down there, there's no doubt in my mind that that's where they're supposed to be. Um, they drove us home just from the airport and we're driving through the neighborhood and they got the windows down and people are yelling at them and waving at them. Hey, Terry, hey, Samantha. And it's just a really neat thing to see them so called and so in their, in their forte there in Belize. Jeff will turn it on, and there it is. Um, yeah, it's funny how you go on a mission trip, and the whole goal is to go help others. But every time I hear people talk about it, people are impacted just as much as they impact others. And isn't it an amazing thing that we go out, we serve people, and we're impacted. Sometimes we feel more impacted than they are. Isn't that amazing? Um, but... Um, the second, the first mission trip I ever got to go on was in Brazil. I was playing handbells for a church in Kingsport, and they were like, well, they didn't tell me it was a mission trip. I signed up to play handbells just because I liked music, and I was playing handbells, and they're like, okay, now that you're playing handbells, you have to go to Brazil, and you have to play <laughs> at some churches in Brazil. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we get down there, we play a couple of churches, and that's, and it's interesting that we went down to play music on handbells. Nobody had seen handbells before, and I played these huge bass bells. And the biggest people that impacted were these kids. These kids would come up to me, and they'd be like, how do you play those? How do you pick these up? There was one that was this big around, and it looked really heavy. It was made out of aluminum, though, so it was really light. But every time I picked it up, I would pretend it was, like, really heavy. And, like, it was like the Liberty Bell, and the kids loved it. And they, I would, they would come up, and they'd pick it up, and they were like, they were like, that's light. I can do that. But it was funny. Um, but it was amazing to see for the first time, because we were going to churches down there, that people worship Jesus even, even in Brazil. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. They call Jesus Jesus. They're still worshiping the same God. And they're doing it, and they're singing the songs, the same songs we're singing when they're doing it in, in Portuguese. But it was just amazing, and it was the first time that I realized that God isn't just in Bristol, Tennessee. He's in Brazil. He's also in Slovakia, which happens to be the second place I got to go. And Rachel said, Rachel covered a lot of it, that you all as a church helped us out so much and made us, and it was a confirmation of that we were supposed to go. And the camp was a, an English camp, and we were teaching kids English. That was, that was the, the real or the bait to get them to come in. Um, but the whole thing was about building relationships with these kids where the population is very small that goes to church. And if they do say they, everybody says they go to church and they say they're Catholic, 
but no one does. Um, and it's just a great opportunity in another instance where you you see God working in a place where where you don't think you don't think and you're like God's here, God can work. And the, the the great thing about that is that we get to build relationships with these kids and and teenagers and it was just they liked the same stuff we did and they liked all these things. They loved America first off. So that was cool. That that was another thing. They're like, Americans and we're like Okay, <laughs> but being able to share Christ through your actions is one of the biggest things that helped them. There's a uh, a guy, and Rachel talks about him. His name's Yanni. He is is a leader there now. But the first time she went, he didn't talk at all. He barely spoke. He but he is an amazing leader, and he was somebody who was really shy at the beginning, and. It was because of these, and well, it was because of these um, camps that he. It's a huge thing in in uh, these towns now, is because of this guy and because of this camp that we all went to. So, um, it was an amazing. It was an amazing, amazing time, and I know we're being called back, but it's just being able to to get all these things worked out. So, we are looking and still praying that we'll be able to find a way to go back and to be able to do these missions. So. Pray for us while we do that. And if God's calling, you you need to listen. <laughs> I, I guess I'll share this real quick just because it's about the the music leader. I was um they were looking for the youth the music leader and Jeff's Jeff said, Hey, you should be considered and I thought to myself, you know what, God's already messing with me on this. He's already telling me this. And then Jerry says some things. Everybody's saying these things, and I'm like, Okay, that's fine. That's cool, I can do it. But then I'm like, No, I don't really know that I'm being called there. And as soon as I said that to myself, things were very uneasy on times when I would pray and say no to God. And it felt it was wrong for me to say those things to him. And it was, it was amazing that I had Rachel and my family and her family to help me out because it's great. And I, I believe it's what I'm supposed to be doing in this museum. So thank you all for backing me on that and for allowing me to do it. So thank you all. Anyone else? Yeah. I went on my first mission trip, kind of like Rachel said. I went to Belize, but we're cutting a family thing, and so it really wasn't a mission trip. But then I went to Gulfport, and there was 40 of us went from the Lebanon Baptist Association, and they didn't tell me it was a youth mission trip. Um, and for anybody that knows me, I'm a little OCD. <laughs> And they stuck me in a room with five little girls, and so I was, little, I was a little worried about it, but God got me through, and I just wanted you to know that what I learned from it, it renewed my faith in our youth. Uh, we had youth down there that asked to clean bathrooms, which, you know, that kind of was what Penny was saying, and it just amazed me at the respect they had for the, the older people that were there, and they absolutely loved Walter Newland. Uh, the they just think he is something else, buddy. <laughs> and one of the things that I wanted to tell you all is that on our ride back, I rode with Ron Gilbert in one of the vans, and I've always had this question in my mind: Why do we have to go so far away from home to be missionaries? And I asked him that question of why he planned a trip for 40 people to go all the way to Gulfport, Mississippi, and he said he had planned things around here and nobody showed up. 
and when Jeff was talking about Ida, you know, that is such a perfect opportunity to do something close to home as a missionary. You don't have to go out of country or out of town to be a missionary. And um, the last thing I want to say is I've always said my husband's truck driver, and I think everybody that drives a car ought to have to ride in a truck with a truck driver at one point in their life. And I have decided that every Christian should go on at least one mission trip, whether it's across the state line or not. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, anyone else? This will be short, Dorothy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Lori, would you stand up a minute? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, several years ago now, Lori and I made a special connection. Uh, she had Bell's palsy and and she was singing in the choir then, and I was too. And she never let that keep her from singing in the choir. And if you don't know what that is, that's when you lose muscle control on one side of your face. And she just kept singing. Well, one day I'd been down next to Knox when I come back, and uh, my eyes started hurting real bad. And I pulled over in the rest area, and I had been working sawing wood that weekend before that. And uh, I thought I had sawdust in my eye. Well, I laid down in the grass and I poured water on it and it hurts bad. <laughs> I couldn't blink my eye. I finally made it home and went straight to the eye doctor. And he looked at my eye and did all those things. He said, there's nothing in your eye, but I know what's wrong with you. You got Bell's palsy. And I said, okay. So he sent me to my other doctor, and they got me on some medicine, and a few weeks later, I got over that. And a few weeks went by, and Lori's neighbor, a man we'd both been witnessing to and talking to, uh, he had Bell's palsy. And it just opened up an avenue to talk to that man. And we just planted some seeds with him, and we never knew where it was going or how we both contracted that same disease. But uh, he used that in our lives to just reach out to one more person. And uh, a lot of times there's just something going on local or far away. And I've been blessed to go to Nicaragua and Philippines. And, um, but uh, there's always something. I met a man this week who just got back from Belize. He had been down there two years on his own. He didn't know Terry and Samantha, but he had been working in Belmapan. He had opened up a conversation. I met another man this week who started a ministry on the Appalachian Trail, putting out peanut butter sandwiches and drinks for hikers on the trail. So there's always a mission somewhere if you just let God use you. Thank you, Ken. Anyone else? Oh, uh-oh. Well, I've been blessed so much to go on these different trips. I loved this trip the last time down there with Lisa. 
Joyce. Uh, the Philippine trips we went on, there was Ken, Terry, Samantha, Walter, Greg, and Megan. We had a good time over there in the Philippines. Been in Nicaragua three times. And we don't know in this country how blessed we are to have what we have here. Adequate food, shelter, go out there and jump in a car and take off. Philippines, you can't do that. I mean, you don't have, they don't have no money to do anything like that with. But we got windows here down in the Philippines, no windows in the church, just tile floor, a fan circulating. And for pews, they just have uh, wooden boards on cinder blocks. And church lasts about two hours and a half. And they don't have no backs in the uh, pews, or if you want to call them pews. But it's very poor, Philippines very poor. And what is it? I got some pictures here. I want to leave back here on the best view on that trip to the Philippines. And uh, I don't know. We're just so blessed here in this country to have what we do have. We shouldn't take it for granted because we might lose all those privileges. Right. So we just thank you for Todd and Cindy and their daughter going on these mission trips because she can learn more on that probably than she can in school by going somewhere. And I don't know, I'll be quiet because we're running in Georgia time here. <laughs> and I'll quit. Thank you, Walter. They told me on that Mississippi trip some of the guys got in and stole some of Walter's clothes and they had a Walter Newland day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling that missions, but I just don't want to. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Walter. Anyone else? Uh, I know we're run over, but it's a blessing. I like to hear from you. I'd like to say thank the Lord for everything he's ever done for me. I've been through hard times, and he's always made a way for me. And any time that I see someone in need or anything like that, if I got it, they got it, no matter what it is. I, you know, he's, you know, done wonderful things for me, and he's always made a way for me, no matter what I've been through. And, you know, just like I fell three times yesterday morning out of bed, I said, Lord, I'm going to church no matter what. <laughs> And, you know, I got to come to church. And I just thank for my sister being there for me through thick and thin. She's always been there for me. She's just not a sister. She's my best friend. And, you know, I got the privilege of taking care of my mom and my dad. And, you know, there's so many people in nursing homes that has no visitors or anything like that. And, you know, I, I just, I feel for them people. I worked in a rest home and took care of people, you know, and I just, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And, you know, if I see someone in need, I always tell them about the Lord. And, you know, and it gives you such a wonderful feeling. I mean, when I hear somebody saying, oh, Lord, I feel the Spirit of God all over me. I said, <laughs> Thank you. All right, anyone else for you? Yeah. 
I can't let that go by without uh, saying thank you. He was, um, Walter's talking about, uh, we could lose what we have as Americans at any time. And uh, that's got to be something for these men in this generation, some of you guys that served, so we could have what we have and watch my generation squander everything they got. Give it away. Throw it away, not giving it away to help people. Jeff made a mention a while ago. Uh, I get so emotional, guys. I'm sorry. I can't. Jeff made a mention of uh, finding out yesterday that uh, he wasn't a roofer. He was making fun of us because some of us got one leg that's longer than the other. But, um, we, we did a roof for a lady yesterday, and... Um, some of us did a little roof there a couple of weeks ago, and, and some of the men in the church have been working on plumbing and electrical projects, and um, quietly. And none of the guys in this church want any praise for it, but I'm thankful for the uh, example. And I wanted to look all of you now and say thank you. And uh, for the next generation, guys. Um, I told somebody yesterday that uh, what I really get out of that is knowing that you know we, we did a roof for a lady yesterday, and I don't know the lady's name. I haven't shook her hand. I can't tell you we had some big moment and prayed together and we didn't do all that. We just, God sent us to put a roof on, that's what we did, and it's done. And that's what he needed out of us as men of this church. And um, sometimes we get in a big way. We want it to be the way we want it to be. And um, sometimes it just needs to get done. And um, But what that means to me is, is whether it's me personally or whether it's a friend of mine, and it has been in the last couple of weeks, I've had friends that need something, and, and uh, the men of this church come together and, and do things for my friends, my acquaintances. They don't know them. And they reach in their pockets anyway. And uh, I was riding through traffic one day this last week with one of my children in a vehicle, and I, we passed a man going the other way and threw up a hand, and I said, I said, you know that man? He said, yeah. I said, that's somebody you can count on if I'm not here. And um, encourage something for all, all you guys to think about, uh, husband and wife, um, one of the things that's touched me more than anything anybody's ever said to me in this church <clears throat> we're all trying to raise our children y'all and he said I want to tell you something he said there's a list hanging on my refrigerator in order of the top ten people that I know my wife and child can count on if something happens to me and I just want to shake your hand and let you know you're on that list and there's nothing you could do for me or pay me or do anything that means more than that right there. And I want to be that person to all y'all here. Thank you, Travis. Anyone else before we have a time to respond to the altar? Kind of along the lines of what he was speaking of. Uh, no, I haven't been anywhere on a mission, but I had a mission that needed accomplished at my home. And the men from this church 
good Christian men never wanted anything but a thank you. And they know who they are. And I will say thank you again to them and to this church. God bless all of y'all. Amen. All right. I'm not an auctioneer, but going once, going twice. Oop. Yes, I just want to say I'm thankful to be here, thankful for this church and getting back into church. I've been having a rough time. People know that. I've got great friends that go here that I love dearly. And I'm an emotional person too, so this is a little tough for me. Uh, my sisters, like she said, we're, we're not just sisters, we're best friends. And you can just feel the love in here from everybody. And that's the kind of love we all need to have. And my mom taught us a long time ago to respect your elderly and to love them and take care of them. And I've always had that in my heart. And when I go down the road and I see some person, whether it be young or old, and you see them all the time on the side of the road with a little sign saying, you know, we'll work for food or we'll work for something. And I've stopped numerous times and done something for them. And people say, well, you're silly. They're just going out and squandering that or they're buying beer or they're buying drugs. And I said, that's not on my conscience. God laid it on my heart to help them. And if he laid it on my heart, then I know it went for a good reason. Um, I know it didn't go for something bad. And I just can't pass those people, you know. When I see them, my heart just goes out to them, and I pray for them, and I witness to them. And like she said, it just gives you such a good feeling inside to know that you've helped somebody, a stranger, or you've put a seed in their heart that might lead them to Christ someday or lead them to help somebody else. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. And Tammy has been so good to me in a real backbone through all my problems. And I want to thank her right here and right now. She's been a wonderful blessing to me all my life as well as her sister. I've not known Becky or been as close to Becky as I have to Tammy, but in the last little while since I've been going to church, that whole family has just touched me in such a special way, and I want them all to know that. Amen. Well, if God has called you maybe to the altar, uh, we've had a lot of people share to make a decision where you are. I don't know, but we're going to sing wherever He leads, and that's the goal. Wherever He leads, may we follow. Wherever he leads, I'll go. A familiar song to, to a lot of people. Wherever he leads, will you go? Do you, do you mean it when you sing these songs? Let me stand with us. 598. Take a thy cross and follow me I heard my master say 
been a different kind of day. And so uh, I'm going to ask the guys to come up and place the offering plates up here. And we're going to close in prayer. But before we do, I want to give you a chance to give to the Lord an offering unto Him. Uh, the Bible tells us to give as we've been blessed. If you've been blessed, give this morning. And I ask as Brenda comes and, and she plays the offertory. Uh, in a moment, Jim's going to lead us in prayer. And as God leads you, just come and place your offering in the plate. Uh, will you lead us in prayer, Jim? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for each day that you give us. Thank you for this beautiful sunshine. We just thank you for each person here today. We just ask you to be with the gift and the givers. Be with the gift and the givers and just do what you will to build your kingdom here on earth. We just ask you to forgive each and every one of us our sin. And also, we just be with our missionaries. They go around, as they all around this world. We just ask you to take care of each and every one of them. We just ask you to forgive us our sins. Your precious Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.